Hello, this is Orlando Mayor Buddy Dyer. Welcome home. Soar into tower. We are ready for takeoff. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Hey, it's Amy from DVC Clubhouse. Hey, Clubbers, it's Scott from DVC Clubhouse. Hey, it's Kathleen from DVC Clubhouse. Welcome aboard. It's Phil from DVC Clubhouse. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Debrief podcast brought to you by DVC Clubhouse. I was just being made fun of by my co-hosts <laughs> for my for my intros. So I don't even know where, I mean, if I do it too well, I get accused of having a script. If I mess up, then, you know, I mean, I guess prefer people prefer when I mess up so that- True story can confirm. <laughs> so that Phil can put his uh, expert editing skills to work. But anyway, I am joined by my lovely co-hosts, Phil, Scott, and Kathleen- Hello, friends. Hello. Hello. Welcome aboard, guys. So today we are going to continue our conversation about theme park restaurants. Two episodes ago, we talked about the restaurants at Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom. And today we are going to tackle Hollywood Studios and Epcot. Right before we started recording, we actually had to go through the list of restaurants at Hollywood Studios to make sure that we could even remember them all. Can we just take a second to shout out to all of our junior clubbers in the last episode and what an amazing job they did? Yes. They were phenomenal, weren't they? Favorite episode. Definitely my favorite episode, too. So fun to hear them. And oh my gosh, Mackenzie's giggle, I swear, it has to become one of our, our signature sound bites for when something ridiculous happens. I hear it enough in person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was so fun. Either her giggle or her saying, "How dare you?" I am so done. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, thank you to all the kids who signed on. We appreciate it, and uh, you definitely are now the standard we all have to meet. Pressure. So anyhow, we're going to start our conversation over at Hollywood Studios. And just as a reminder for for folks who are listening, the six restaurants that are at Hollywood Studios are Roundup Rodeo Barbecue, Hollywood Brown Derby, 50s Primetime Cafe, Sci-Fi Dine-In, Hollywood and Vine, and Mama Melrose. All right, good talk. Nothing to see there. Let's move on to Epcot. <laughs> So, I mean, I'm going to say, before we get into any other discussion about the restaurants, overall, you know, Hollywood Studios, it just is so disappointing on overall, on like the food front. And it's disappointing because there's so much potential. The theming, I think, of all of the restaurants, whether it's quick service or table service, they are, I think the theming is great and the concepts are great. And if they could execute them well, 
that would be a really fun park to dine in. But for me, it has become one of the parks that I will never, ever make a, a reservation at. I'll grab a snack. I'll, I'll get a big pretzel and a charcuterie board at Baseline Tap House. Maybe I'll get something at Woody's Lunchbox or a Ronto Wrap if I'm like really hungry. But for the most part, I do not use my table service time at Hollywood Studios. What about you guys? Well, let's be honest, with the exception of Brown Derby, which is expensive but reasonable food, the best sit-down restaurant at Hollywood Studios is actually a quick serve at ABC Commissary. So when your quick serve where you just get a real plate is the best sit-down, that's a problem. It is a problem, especially when it's such a, it's for me, it's like the most generic of all of their places to eat. I mean, it's themed after a cafeteria at ABC Studios. And when you have concepts like eating in, you know, your mom's kitchen and just the type of food and experience that you could have, which I, I, I mean, I w- would argue at one point they did provide. And maybe I'm just remembering the past through nostalgia and rose colored glasses. And I was younger. So maybe my standards were a little bit lower, but 50s Primetime Cafe was was a place that I loved to go. It, to me, it was just like a, a really fun experience. And I think that the food has just really been mediocre and overpriced for a very long time. So, and I don't think that the experience there is what it was when they conceived of this concept. And when, you know, MGM first opened and and that was the concept, because the whole concept of MGM when it opened was that you were actually like stepping into like a movie studio and you were a part of like the movie magic. And so that is what you got at 50s primetime. Like you felt like you were walking into a 1950s television set and you were a part of this like throwback 1950s leave it to beaver type television set with, and that you were a part of the cast and I don't know if it's I don't I don't know if it's again that I'm just remembering it as better than it was or if it really has gotten worse. But it's just I don't know. I feel like the servers aren't really into it. Like their heart isn't into playing the character of like the cousin or the aunt or whoever it is that's supposed to be serving you your meal. It just feels kind of like half-hearted. Everyone's nodding but nobody has any commentary <laughs> because I think you captured it. Good point. All good points. Thanks. Well, we've <laughs> Scott and I, we've ate at every sit down restaurant they have, and I don't have to go back to any of them at all. I'd rather eat at the quick services at Hollywood Studios, and that's usually what we do. Either maybe grab something small at Woody's or Baseline or even a Ronto wrap if we're there in the morning. But we don't Yeah, I think when you think of Hollywood Studios, you don't really think of the the table services. You go right for the quick service. Which, if I had if I had to pick, I would probably pick 50s and Mama Melrose. I mean, but they're not at all my favorites. It's just yeah, Mama you know, Melrose is passable. It's not awful. Mm-hmm. Mama Melrose is that's the equivalent of Tony's. Sorry, Amy, at Magic Kingdom. What? Kind of, sort of. What they're comparable? No, Mama Melrose and Tony's. Absolutely not. What? We can back to the I, same argument we had before. Why would you have Mama Melrose when Trattoria is a short walk or a Skyliner ride away? That's true. Like I said, I don't 
I am not in a I don't think I'll ever book another quick uh, table service at Hollywood Studios again. I will say that Roundup Rodeo was a much needed addition to that park. I think it's great how they themed it, but I think that they should have made it a character meal for sure. That whole restaurant, the interior of it, the theming of it screams for characters. You know, to have Woody walking around, Jesse, whoever, it would have been perfect for that. And the price that they charge, I know it's all you can eat, but it's all you can eat mediocre barbecue. So they need to ramp it up a little bit with characters to kind of make it worth the price. The only character meal is Hollywood and Slime, right? Which is the second worst buffet we've ever had on property. It only falls behind Scott's beloved Chef Mickey's that we had the terrible experience with. Yeah, I don't think we had a really good experience at Hollywood and Vine. And I've never done breakfast because I think breakfast is the junior. Nick Jr. Disney Jr. Nick Jr. Disney Jr. Disney Jr. (laughs) That's a different podcast. Wrong park. (laughs) But yeah, I don't think the experience was, it wasn't memorable. The character interactions were okay, but I just don't think the food was Was it forgettable? Very unforgettable. <laughs> you know, I actually have a I have a cute memory of being there because it's where Emma wanted to eat for when we were there for her birthday one year. I think she was three or four years old and she was a huge Doc McStuffins fan. So she went and had her Doc McStuffins jacket on and we got some really cute pictures and she was excited. And honestly, for the most part, I'm not going to say that this applies to every character meal, but for me, the majority of my experiences, I don't even remember the food. And I think that they feel like they can get away with giving you really mediocre food because if you're going there with small kids and they're so excited, it's like, you're not even paying attention to what, at least me, like, I'm not really even paying attention. I'm like taking a few bites and then getting up and taking pictures and watching my kid interact with the characters and then sitting back down and taking in a few more bites. And it's really about (laughs) being able to see favorite characters without needing to wait in line for them. I mean, that's essentially what it is for me. Something else just occurred to me. When you look at Hollywood Studios, the history of Hollywood Studios, from MGM and being a a working set to the Muppets being thrown in there to Star Wars with the single ride to then having Galaxy's Edge, Hollywood Studios has always been kind of the all the other stuff park. It's where the leftovers went. It's where they put things that didn't really fit elsewhere. It was initially envisioned to be a half-day park. If you don't do Star Wars, I would argue it's still a half-day park if you don't have to wait two hours for Slinky Dog. It's just kind of always been lacking in that direction, which is sad because we've talked about it. It truly is, in some places, one of the most beautiful parks there is, especially around Christmas with the lights and Hollywood Boulevard and the glamour of it. Back when they had the citizens of Hollywood actually on the street, the park has always had so much potential and just has not been able to follow through with that. And I feel like the restaurants have followed that theme, that path. They've got so much potential and there's so much they can do there. And there's just never been any follow through. They've never been able to complete the circle with Hollywood Studios or any of the dining there. You know, I think sci-fi dine-in is a great example of how I think Disney feels like when they do something well, like they do theming well, then they can just kind of half-ass the food because people are going there for the ambiance and they can get away with giving you food that's like pretty crappy. I 
I would say that my worst dining experience in the past five to six years, two times occurred at sci-fi dining. I mean, that food was just like worse than Applebee's. I mean, just terrible quality food. You're sitting in the dark. It's like a weird, and as cool as that concept is, there's something so weirdly like unenergetic about that place. Do you know what I mean? Like it just feels like this weird, quiet vibe in there. I don't know. It's just, it, it's, it looks cool. It's just not my, it, it is not at all my, my favorite. Now I know that like my, my nephew, the reason why the both times I ate there, I ate there because my nephew really wanted to go there because for my nephew, Alex, there's like a huge nostalgia factor there because as a family, they went there when, they were young so that's why they want to go there all the time but for me if i never set foot in that place again i'm good same it's a dark restaurant though i do you guys remember like post covid like when everything came back you could not find a reservation at that place at sci-fi and i i never could understand why i mean it's just burgers fried pickles onion rings like basic that's the only thing I liked when we were there. I just liked the fried pickles. Yeah, but you could not score a reservation there to save your life. Well, I think the reason why is because you might be sharing, you know, a car with somebody else and they couldn't seat strangers together. Yeah, I think it was just the the size of pretty much the size of it. But even later on, after the whole social distancing started to go away, and even now, if you if you click on randomly on My Disney Experience, that's one reservation I'm looking right now. I never see that one come up at all. Yeah, I think people just love it. I think they think that the that it's cool, that it's cool looking. And I mean, it is kind of cool looking. It's a very unique concept. And that's where, like I said, I, I just feel like Hollywood Studios has so much potential with these great concepts to do something really fun and memorable. And the meals all end up being completely forgettable. Yeah, it's definitely a cool concept, but I also like to see when I'm eating my food. Yeah, it's too dark in there. I get the whole drive-in theme, but it's just too dark in there. I couldn't see the food at all. Maybe that was a good thing. What about <laughs> Woody's? Can you get a reservation at Woody's Roundup right now? Because I've, I've got a thought about it. that. Yeah, I think you can find Woody's before you can find Sci-Fi, which really blows my mind because it's you know the newer restaurant. And you would think that that would be the one that everybody would want. But I would pick Woody's 10 out of 10 times over sci-fi for sure. And Woody's was nothing to write home about, believe me. When you look at it, we said there were six restaurants total in Hollywood Studios. Now, one of those restaurants is Brown Derby, which we know tends to cater more to the adult crowd. It's a little more expensive, the Cobb salad. The, there's really a lack of options there. And sci-fi dining is probably the best themed of the bunch. So I think you can't get a reservation there just for a lack of reasonable options. If you had to, if you were a family coming down for your Disney experience and you wanted to take the kids somewhere that was ultimately themed, you were, you know, just trying to make this amazing family vacation. I think you would automatically fall to sci-fi because it looks cool from the outside you don't have a lot of other restaurants, so where else are you going to go? And I think that's why that one fills up so quickly. It's the best of the worst. I think it was a cool way to get cool Disney theming without having to pay the price of a character meal. I think also it's it's more reasonably priced than going to Woody or Roundup 
rodeo barbecue which is a prefix hollywood and vine which is a you know a, a prefix so that you can get something for uh without having to spend a lot of money so i i think the price probably has to play into it but you know to talk about roundup rodeo barbecue we ate there and we actually enjoyed it we were a little bit pleasantly surprised by it because my expectations were not high I, I was particularly happy because they had all of those different salad options that had a lot of kind of like plant-based stuff in it, which I, you know, it's, I always say it's hard to find a vegetable in, in Disney world. So I enjoyed that. You were surprised because there was plant-based salads. I just want to make sure we're clear about this. Well, that the sides that came out with the barbecue <laughs> were plant-based. Okay. Just making so, yes. sure I mean, they have all these plant-based yeah, salads. Like who would have thought yeah. of it? Wow. At Disney World, <laughs> salads are filled with cheese and meat. For yeah, the there's no really good salads there. I'm not going to argue with you. But I have been just uh, online. I've been seeing people posting that it's it's been terrible, and that since it's opened, it's steadily gone downhill. They bring out fewer sides with with the um, with the platters. So I think that people are also just not impressed with it the way that. You know, when it first opened, people were kind of pleasantly surprised by it. And now people just think it's not great barbecue for for prices that are too high. And because you've got something as delicious as the Polite Pig at Disney Springs for really reasonable prices, nobody needs to go to barbecue at Hollywood's, Hollywood Studios. No, if you're going to do a barbecue place and you know that you already have Polite Pig on property, I know it's at a different place. You have to have it at least for that price. Try to raise the standards of the barbecue. I know it's all you can eat, but it's it's really like, I don't know. It was okay. It was middle of the road, but it's not something that we're in a hurry to go back to. I know I'll probably get a lot of angry people when I say this, but I just also think that Hollywood Brown Derby is one of the most overrated restaurants on property. I mean, people love it. People love the Cobb salad. I think that the quality of the ingredients are just not great. I don't love it. I got scallops that were just okay. I don't know. I Having just been at Disneyland and going to um, the Carthay Circle Lounge, which I would say is probably kind of like a comparable type experience where it's supposed to be hearkening back to, you know, the Hollywood heyday. The Carthay Circle experience was far superior to anything I've ever experienced at Hollywood Brown Derby, which just goes to show you, I mean, uh, overall, you know, we could maybe have this conversation at some point about the Disneyland dining versus Disney World. I think it's pretty a, a pretty well accepted opinion that Disneyland food is better than Disney World food. It shows that they can deliver a quality theme park restaurant and I think that if they could elevate the Hollywood Brown Derby experience to what I experienced at Carthay Circle, I would eat there. But I have no Hollywood Brown Derby is not good enough for me. And to your point, Phil, about, you know, restaurants that are closer, I would go to any restaurant at the Swan or Dolphin before I would eat at Hollywood Studios. It's exactly what we do. We simply do not plan meals at Hollywood Studios. It's a morning park or a night park for us. We'll go in in the morning. We'll stay half a day. We'll leave before lunchtime or we'll go somewhere else. We'll have a little bit of pool time, lunch, wherever we may be, and we'll go to Hollywood Studios at night. We don't plan midday at Hollywood Studios, A, because 
we're not Star Wars people, so we can tend to run out of things to do. And B, my kids get hungry at noon, and other than ABC Commissary, there's nowhere I will take them. Seems to be a common theme. For me, Baseline Tap House is the MVP of Hollywood Studios because it's quick, it's inexpensive, you can share it with people because it's a huge pretzel, it's a huge char- charcuterie board. I enjoy the the draft beers that they have there because it's like one of the one places in a theme park where you can get beer that's not on like the standard Disney beer list. I mean, they don't really turn over those taps, but it's just different offerings than what you can get beyond like the Bud, Bud Light and those products. So, I mean, overall, I will always go to Baseline Tap House. And honestly, I would go to Pizza Rizzo before I would go to any of those (laughs) sit-down restaurants. That's harsh. So it's safe to say, wrapping Hollywood Studios, that if we all had to pick a table service restaurant at Hollywood Studios, we would all pick a quick serve. Yes. We We would all meet at Baseline. Exactly. There you go. There's Hollywood Studios in a nutshell for you. If you had to pick one table service restaurant, though, which would you pick? I'm going to go with, if I have to pick one, I'm going to pick Brown Derby. We ate there once and it was acceptable. I got the Cobb salad. I thought it was okay. They have a drink there called the Grapefruit Cake Drink, which is very good. It's a martini. It's very good. And then I think we got the Grapefruit Cake for dessert, which was, it's different. It's unique. It's different. But it's also, I think they consider that a signature restaurant whenever the dining plan is up. And it's just okay. It's not anything, like I said, we're not in a hurry to get back there. Um, I think I would pick probably Mama Melrose. Yeah, I'm going to go to Brown Derby just because even though it's not the best food, it's the closest I can come to quality food in that park. I'm not going to be happy about it, but if I had to pick one, that's where I'm going to end up. Yeah, I think same for me. I mean, we didn't really talk about Mama Melrose. I've only dined there once and it was many years ago, but that to me is, you know, a place where it's not great Italian food in a, in a park that if I'm going to pick mediocre food, I want to get some sort of more immersive theming than an Italian restaurant rest. I'm having a lot of trouble speaking right now. I'm going to pick something that has more immersive theming than an Italian restaurant with red and white checked tablecloths and not great food. The dusty fake grapes hanging from the ceiling. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And even that, I mean, they could have made that be, if they got their servers to kind of get into character so that you felt like you were walking into this kind of like old timey, Italian restaurant like I could get on board with that because I feel like that is that is like the shtick at 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 Hollywood Studios it's supposed to be about stepping into something that feels like you're stepping into some sort of like old-timey tv or movie thing so I could get on board with eating at Mama Melrose if I felt like that was the experience that they were delivering but it's it's just not So I feel like Hollywood Studios, like they need to improve the quality of the food and they need to improve the quality of the experience. So this is our dining version of the resort of last resort. Yeah. Yeah. They're the old Key West of uh, theme park restaurants. No, that's Be Our Guest. We established that. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody hates on my Be Our Guest. That's okay. (laughs) 
So shall we move on over to Epcot? Wander on down the waterware Skyliner to a park that actually has restaurants? Yes, indeed. So I feel like, I mean, I feel like this has the, 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 uh, the possibility of being a chaotic conversation because there are so many restaurants that I don't even know where to start. But, you know, I feel like there's like different categories of restaurant in my mind. Like this isn't, you know, apply to anybody, but it's how like I think about the Epcot restaurants when I'm thinking about if and where I want to dine. And I will say that I don't dine at Epcot restaurants as frequently as I used to because there's always a darn festival. And so I go to the festival booths. But in a time when there were many months throughout the year where there were no festivals, and so dining at Epcot at World Showcase restaurants was kind of a featured attraction of that park, I kind of had like different categories in my mind about the restaurants and it's experience versus type of cuisine versus the quality of the cuisine. And that is kind of how I would like always decide where I was going to go. So if I wanted something that felt like a fun, immersive experience, something like the San San Angel Inn was someplace that we would choose because that just feels like such a fun atmosphere. You've got the boats going by. How's the salsa? How's the enchiladas? <laughs> Sorry. Listen, I know that you guys are Rosa snobs now, and so there's no conversation that we I can have with you about Mexi- no, Mexican No, that's not food. even the joke. So that's, No, that's about uh, San Angel. <laughs> yeah, that's specific to San Angel. Oh. So about two years ago, Em and I were going down, what is it, the, the Three Caballeros ride and uh, El Rivo del Tiempo or however it's pronounced. And it is just dead quiet in there. You could hear a cricket fart as we're going down the waterway. And I was in one of my moods. This was during the shutdown when they still had the plexiglass going down the aisles. So I'm just, I don't know. I was in a mood that day. You guys have seen it. So I accidentally bump up against the plexiglass on the side. And you you can't help but bump because they're fourteen well, because inches you're like from plexi a to plexi. Rat in a maze, trying to right. figure out how to get out. And the girl yells up, "Do not touch the glass!" So now I start with my index finger, just touching the glass. So she says, <laughs> "Do not because you're touch eight years old." <laughs> the glass, of course. So now I start pretending I'm a bird trapped behind a glass door, and I keep bouncing off the glass face first, all the way down the line. And she yells, sir, do not touch the glass. So now I put my hands next to my head like I'm a fish and I'm swimming up and down out of view coming down the line. So by this point, we're already in trouble. So move on. We're at the beginning of the ride and we're going by the restaurant and it is just quiet as can be. It was eerily quiet. So I yell out, how are the enchiladas? <laughs> and some guy rails back, they're okay, but the tacos are better. <laughs> So I'm telling this story to Scott and Kathleen in November. And of course, we come up on the restaurant and Scott yells at the top of his lungs, how are the burritos? And some guy goes, shh. No, I thought someone said they were pretty good. Maybe. I, thought someone I think someone followed you. up, but someone shushed him first. Oh, oh that was, I think that was me. Yeah, the person that shushed me was Kathleen. 
<laughs> that might have been it. <laughs> but you're lu- you're lucky you didn't go viral on TikTok with somebody saying, "This is why we can't have nice things." Well, you talk about different levels of restaurants at Epcot. There's three different levels of Mexican food just in that pavilion. You can go from the quick serve to the lunch spot, which has okay food, inside to the higher class Mexican food, which is just okay food in a better setting. That just basically defines Epcot. I mean, I think probably the easiest way to break it down might be to talk about if you had to go somewhere for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, where would you choose? Hmm. I mean, for breakfast, I would never make a dining reservation. I would go to Layall every time. You made me pick one in Hollywood Studios, and against my better judgment, I had to. (laughs) If I had to go someplace for breakfast, I mean, what are my options? Garden Grill or Norway? Yeah, more or less. Yeah, I I mean, I'd, I'd say Garden Grill then because I've never eaten there, so... I would go over to Akershus just because you get the entire cadre of princesses inside that. It, and it's not a bad buffet for breakfast. There's obviously some things on the buffet I wouldn't eat. They tend to hold to their heritage there, but there's plenty you can eat. It's a hugely expensive breakfast. I'll tell you that. We've done it a few times, and it was not cheap to get out the door. But my daughter at least got to walk around the entire inside of Akershus and the princess parade yelling to her favorite princesses. I did dine there after the princess half um, in 2023 and because I wanted them all to sign my medal and it was all you care to enjoy. So they brought out all, all of the food and honestly, I enjoyed it. And maybe it's just because I was ravenous because I had run a half marathon and hadn't really eaten much other than that box that they give you after. But it was an utterly enjoyable experience for me. So I, as much as I say I would never go there, It will never be my first choice, but I had a very specific reason, which is kind of gets to my point of like how I categorize Epcot restaurants in my mind. If I have a very specific purpose, like, you know, going and having the the princesses sign my uh, my medal, like that's that's why I go there for, you know, beer garden. I would never go there at any other time during the year other than during the holidays because it's decorated in there and they, you know, often will put their, the band in there will often pay, play Christmas songs. So to me, it's like a festive, festive atmosphere. I'm really struggling with my words today. I don't know what is happening, but. I'm just imagining oompa music to jingle bells. Well, it's fun. <laughs> and then they have steins of beer that are as heavy as bricks that are as big as your face and so you take a sip and your whole face disappears into the glass it's kind of fun i think people who are afraid of the menu at akershus they hear about the pickled herring that's on the buffet but realistically we've had both breakfast and dinner there it's never been a bad meal i just think it's maybe an expensive meal for what it is but there's plenty on the buffet the interaction with the cast members has always been good. I've threatened to run away with at least three different waitresses, much to my wife's chagrin, but it's never been a bad meal. Well, and I, to my point about Hollywood and Vine, I think that there is some sort of value, a time value in paying for those character meals if it means that you are not waiting in line for hours, multiple different lines to get all of those princess autographs and pictures. So, there's definitely value in that. I mean, it might be expensive, but there's no dollar sign on peace of mind. <laughs> so 
What about you, Scott? Where are you going for breakfast? Um, I'm probably going to do like what you guys said, like the Akershush. That used to be the place with, um, you know, you could get early entry into Epcot and then you could get a quick breakfast there and still get out and be first in line for Frozen. I remember doing that a long time ago. But yeah, the menu, <clears throat> excuse me, the menu is scary, but they have a lot of <laughs> they have a lot of options there. You know, cold salmon or whatever for breakfast is not on everybody's list. But it's an acquired I, taste. Garden Grill, if it disappeared off the face of the earth, I would I would never be sad. There comes the hate mail. Yeah, I've never set foot into that restaurant, so I don't know. that, And that's why I picked it is just because I've never eaten there. So if I had to pick one, I would go there just to check it off. But I have no, there's really no reason for me to ever go there. It's passable. I think it survives on nostalgia of what the Land Pavilion used to be. What it used to be the good turn, the good turn restaurant back when you had veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit down below and the mm-hmm. actual fountain down at the base. All right. What about lunch? Where's everyone going to go for lunch? Well, see, this is mm. where I, I, it's hard for me to just pick one because it there are so many different kind of it depends. You know, if I'm going if I'm allowing my daughter, Emma, to pick, we're going to Via Napoli every time because she loves the pizza at Via Napoli. I think that the pepperoni pizza inside that restaurant is delicious. So that is not, and, and it's affordable. You can get that half meter of pizza for 55 bucks and feed a family of four, which inside a theme park, that is a very reasonably priced meal. That's unheard of. And everyone leaves feeling, you know, pretty much satisfied. You know, that, that's definitely where I'm going. If Emma is picking I think if Allie is picking, we're probably going and getting sushi in Japan. And, you know, that pavilion has that that pavilion to me has kind of like been on this like roller coaster of dining where there it, it goes through times of highs and lows. And I mean, for for us, we don't ever eat at the hibachi part of that restaurant because we go to Benihana fairly often. Um, Because my kids love it and I just don't want to have that. I I don't want to spend my Disney dining dollars at places that I can, you know, that I frequent when I'm home. But there are other restaurants, you know, like I really enjoy Spice Road Table. That is someplace I think for lunch is a great option. It also has a lot of um, plant-based options, which if you're looking for like lighter fare or smaller plates, that is a great option. I really enjoy it in there. You know, that I, I feel like Le Cellier is always popular. My last experience there was terrible. Everything was so salty. The service was not good. Then Chef de France, that food is overpriced. It's kind of like I went there with my kids because we hadn't been there for a long time, but I don't care if I go there anytime soon again. I Takumi Tei in the Japan department pavilion i do have to speak to that experience because that was an outstanding experience but that's expensive and that is certainly not your average dining experience i mean i think like kathleen you would go in there and leave hungry because you just you know you (laughs) because half of the stuff looks scary (laughs) i would be like do you have some crackers yeah do you have any chicken tenders back there in that omakase kitchen back there? Mac and cheese. Uh, yeah. 
But it was really, that was an amazing experience. So, I mean, I feel like anybody who has a little bit more of an adventurous palate, who likes sushi, who likes um, Japanese cuisine, I recommend doing Takumite because that's a really unique experience where I feel like I'm, those are like the types of fun, unique experiences that I like to have at Disney World. So, you know, I definitely give that a shout out. I have not eaten at Tuto Italia in a very long time. I don't even know if I've eaten at it since it became Tuto Italia. We ate there a number of times when it was still Alfredo's. And yeah, I mean, Nine Dragons, I don't really need to dine there. I think it's pretty inside, but it's, to me, just generic Chinese food. That's where I'm going to step in, though. If I had to pick a place for lunch and we actually ate there last Monday, it was a surprise hit for me. We avoided it for years because we can get generic Chinese food at home. It's nothing big. It's nothing different. But we've been going back there pretty regularly the last year and a half or so because it's consistent. It's not amazing, but it's not at all bad. The kids will always eat there. The service is always good. Uh, Mackenzie actually got an autograph from one of the servers at Nine Dragons, which surprised the heck out of him. He thought it was just the greatest thing ever. But it's good. It's just solid, reasonable food. It's not overly expensive. For lunch, if we're going to sit down, we don't typically sit down, but if we are, that's actually been on our list because it's just a consistently, reasonably good meal. It's been hit or miss for us, and I think that's why we don't go back. And my kids, and when I tell you that when we are home, if my kids are given the, the option to order takeout, it's Chinese food. I mean, we we are probably an above average consumer of Chinese food and they don't love Nine Dragons. So we, we have a we don't really we don't really go there. The other one that I think has a consistency issue, which we surprised ourselves last time, was uh okay, you just said it, now I'm losing my mind. Um Canada Pavilion. Oh La Cellier. La Cellier, thank you. So we had I think just before COVID, had a, just a terribly awful meal at La Cellier. It was, it was not good. As you said, it was salty. The beef was not a great quality. The service was okay, but it was expensive for what it was. We waited, I think, 45 minutes or an hour past when our table was supposed to be ready, and we said, we're not going back. We had talked a few episodes ago about how we had promised our kids kind of a fancy meal. So we decided La Cellier. They were all about it. Steakhouse, it's good okay, fine. We'll just bite the bullet. We'll go to La Cellier. I was impressed. And it takes a lot to impress me with a good steak. I was impressed. The only hit I would give it was that my ribeye, which was a very expensive ribeye, was not as good as my son's less expensive strip steak. The meat quality was good. The service was very attentive. They showed up with Mackenzie's chocolate mousse in the shape of a mousse and made a big deal of it. I was really impressed with it, and I was prepared to be disappointed based on our last meal or last couple of meals. We hadn't eaten there in a while. I think La Cellier is another one that survives on the nostalgia and the memories. Prior to free dining, La Cellier was a hit. And once free dining rolled along, I think probably more than any other restaurant, that was the one that took the biggest hit in quality. Even when they made it two credits, I still think it took a giant hit in quality. And it's just a cool, nice restaurant to go down. It actually reminds me a little bit when you go inside of Brennan's in New Orleans, for anyone who's ever been there, it's, it's got kind of that, that feel to it. But we were impressed, and I was prepared to be underwhelmed, and we had a really good experience. 
we had I'm a good definitely experience one there. of those people where nostalgia and that restaurant go hand in hand. And so that's why I was just so disappointed in our last experience there because, I mean, my food was inedible. The server didn't care. The poutine was delicious, but I mean, it's a steakhouse and my steak was inedible. And literally the service, the server said, well, that's just how we make it here and walked away. So that's lovely. That sounds like a you problem, (laughs) ma'am. That's essentially what she said. I don't know. I'm looking at the list right now of all the restaurants that we have ate at. Where would you go? Where would you go for lunch? I believe that's the current. Oh, is that the current question? Yes. Lunch. Lunch. I know where I'm going to go. I'll let you look, but I'm going to go to uh, Rosen Crown because I'm going to get some fish and chips. I don't know if that counts or not, but I think that's probably a solid choice. Every time I've had fish and chips at Rosen Crown, it's really good. And I don't like Via Napoli, so I'm going to get more hate mail for that. You know, for 15 years, I think we have had Rosen Crown booked on almost every single trip we have ever taken. And we have never eaten there. We have always changed it last minute. And I can't even tell you why. But we have booked it almost every single time. And not once have we actually sat at a table there. Well, if I'm being fair, we have never technically sat inside. Um, But I'm (laughs) just more referring to the the fish and chips at the little window out in front of the restaurant. I I think that they're different inside, though. Is it really? Yeah, that's disappointing. I don't know what I would pick for a lunch spot because every place that we've been to is like really dinner portions. I couldn't see myself eating any of these any of these places for lunch if I had to. Well, pick, and actually, would... looking at um, my Disney experience, Rosen Crown isn't even open. The dining room's not even open for lunch. It that's opens at four p.m. Yeah, I'm just so Scott, get the pick again. <laughs> Well, I guess if I had to pick, I'm I'm kind of on board with what Phil said. I would probably just get some Chinese, some Main Moon, Nine Dragons, Main Moon. <laughs> you said it too, the portion size feeds into it. Years ago, my in-laws came down with us and they wanted to take the kids to Coral Reef because they just love the ambiance and the fish swimming by. And we walked out of that restaurant at one o'clock in the afternoon. I felt like I needed a nap. Even when we go for Chinese at Nine Dragons, we will very typically, at least Emily and I, will split a plate because it's just a lot of food to have during the afternoon. There's not a lot of easy lunch spots. Now, as Amy said, there's carts all over the place. There's booths all over the place. It's very easy to eat lunch there. But there aren't a lot of restaurants where you can have a nice light lunch and then jump on Guardians right after. No. So I really don't know what I would pick. If I had to pick, I would probably pick Via Napoli for lunch then. Maybe the Mexican place, the La Hacienda. Just maybe that would be like a good option for like if you wanted like some tacos and some chips. But everything else is really heavy mm-hmm. for lunch. I don't think there's anything really. Well, that's why lunch. I like Spice Road Table because they really have some nice lighter options. And yeah, I, think I just need to say I've is... never. Go ahead. I've never set foot into Coral Reef, ever. You're not missing anything. You're really not. Yeah, you're not missing anything there. And plus, it's kind of odd to see a fish swim by when you're having fish for lunch. (laughs) Hey, was this your brother? (laughs) Tap, tap, tap. Did you know him? (laughs) He's tasty. (laughs) Yeah, well, and I mean, uh, oh, wait, and what about Space 220? 
Well, I was gonna get to too. I was gonna get to that with Does dinner. that even exist? I, I still have I mean, yet to be able to get inside there. We've been in a few times. We've sat at the lounge once. Oh, we've sat at the lounge a few times. We've never done the uh the prefix for for dinner. It's I don't think it's anything special at all. I think it's a nice atmosphere, but it's, it's a cool, cool. Ex- it's a cool experience. It's like what we talked about with Be Our Guest. It's a one and done. If you're going to go to Disney and you can get the reservation, get it to experience it, but you're not going to be blown away by the food at all. I went up there shortly after it opened and sat in the lounge and had a drink. And based on that experience and seeing it, I would I have no need to ever sit down and spend the money on the food that they're charging there. And and I was even underwhelmed by the the way like the aesthetic of it. It it felt like a cafeteria in outer space. I, I, the fake elevator ride up was cool, but other than that, you know, and and my drink was good. So I mean, would I go back if somebody said wanted me for a drink there? Sure, but I'm certainly not shelling out the money that they are charging for a prefix no. meal there by any means. Nope. You know, the thing I want to point out, too, is we've said this in the past, at least in my house, we're sitting here looking at all the different restaurants, talking about the good meals we've had, the bad meals we've had. Who has walked up to their refrigerator right after going grocery shopping, opened up the door and decided there's nothing there that they want to eat? When I'm booking at Epcot, sometimes I feel that way. There's this plethora of restaurants, but when I really dig down there's only a few that I truly want to eat at. I feel like I'm looking at all these options and just none of it sounds that great. Is that just me? No. And that's why I kind of have like devised the system in my head of like needing to kind of, I have like these different criteria and I'm, and I ask myself like, what is the purpose of me making this reservation? Is it because I want a great meal or is it because I want a fun Disney like immersive Disney experience or is it because I want something affordable or is it, do I want something special? And so, you know, I've booked Takumite twice because that is a very unique, special, amazing experience, but it's expensive. So it's not something that you can do regularly by any means. Um, If I'm looking for something that is immersive by like Disney standpoint, you know, Mexico for sure, Le Cellier is one, and also um, Chef de France feels kind of like that, you know, like I just love the France Pavilion so much because it just feels like so authentic in a Disney way, you know, in in a Disney authentic way, you know, so it's kind of like cute to eat there. You feel like you're really in this like little Parisian bistro um, and that's that's kind of fun. If I'm looking for something light and quick and not that expensive, Spice Row Table will will be my pick. If I'm looking for something, like I said, you know, midday, Emma is there. We'll we'll go and we'll get pizza. But there's no, there's really no place in Epcot for me that is like a must do. I I don't think that I could say that I have a favorite. It really depends on the trip and the experience I'm looking to have. I think one of our most recent places that we went to is probably one of my favorite places. And that was uh Tepanito. And I just I was think just going to say the same. Yeah. It's just, it was just good. I mean, from beginning to end. And I think looking at the list, if I had to pick a place that I would want to go back to, I would probably pick Tepanito. If we had gotten to dinner, that was going to be my list. 
So if I asked my kids right now, we're going to Epcot for dinner, where do you want to go? There would be zero hesitation. They wouldn't pause. They wouldn't think about it. They would go for Teppanito 10 times out of 10. So we don't have a hibachi that's really close. There's one that's, you know, 45 minutes away, but it's always mobbed. It's always packed. So when we go down there, that's kind of their experience. They love the show. They love the setting. They love the chopsticks that they put together for them with the wrapper and the elastic on the top that they can eat as kids. They do the volcano. They do the Mickey and oil. They do the choo-choo train. They love it. And the food is, it's really good. I've never had a bad meal there. It's quality meat. The rice, you know, is okay. The, The salad that shows up is good. The noodles are good. The vegetables are good. Their volcano roll that they do on the grill is phenomenal. That's one of those we didn't do it this last trip just because we had my mother-in-law with us and she's got a shellfish allergy. So she's very sensitive to anything being on the grill. If she hadn't been there, not a doubt we would have been a Tepanito. The kids were disappointed we didn't go there. So for dinner, that's just going to be our go-to almost every single time at Epcot. Does Mackenzie get the Wagyu? No, Mackenzie does not get the Wagyu. And I'd really appreciate it if you didn't bring that to her attention. Thank you. Too late. (laughs) She is your biggest fan. There's no doubt about it. Did you see her face when she went running up to you as soon as you appeared the other day? She is my person. No doubt about it. She was telling her friend the whole time, we're going to go see my friend Scott and Kathleen. You've got to meet Scott. Like my friends, Scott and (laughs) Kathleen, and you were just the superstar. Oh, she is my person. No doubt about it. (laughs) Any other place you guys can think of that would be something that you would really, really, really want to repeatedly go to i have one it's not a sit-down restaurant but i don't know how to pronounce it it's the the place in france with the croissants and the the pastries i like that place a lot the only problem is getting in there the line is always Mm -hmm. insane to weave your way through there you gotta rope drop it have you guys been to speaking of france uh la crapperie (laughs) no That is a place that I have had reservations at three times, and I always, always cancel it. Did I say that wrong? Phil's Phil's having a hard time keeping his composure. Oh, I've got another story. <laughs> <laughs> do tell. No, that's what you. That's what we call it because we just do not like it. Oh, it was la crapery before we ate there. It turned into la crapery after we. Ate I will there. say I like the breakfast crepes. That's about it. We almost always get one from the walk-up window. That, that's what we should have done. The kids love it. You know, we'll go do Remy. We'll grab a couple of crepes. We make crepes all the time at home. So the, the kids love it. It's funny. Amy talked about Applebee's earlier. My kids call it Crapplebee's. Yeah, that's what we call it too. <laughs> I, I was trying. I'm always afraid of hurting people's feelings. So I don't like to be quite as yeah. brutally honest as some of you. But we call it Crapplebee's too because. So I'll tell you my story. Reasons. We had a few years ago our industry conference, and it's just it's a bunch of guys like me, just just a bunch of knuckle dragon knuckleheads. And I have the pleasure of being the chairman of this particular industry association, and I'm with the executive director. And she's talking about how she's just she's going to plus this up. She's a foodie, and she said I'm going to have a crepe bar. And I said you're going to have a crepe bar with 200 of me you're going to have a crepe bar. Now I'm a foodie. I'm a little different. I said, all right, we're going to give this a whirl. 
and we leave the general session, get off stage, and we're going to have this little break, and they're having a crepe bar. And no word of a lie over our left shoulder, I hear one of the guys saying, what are these these, these creepy things? And we just lost it. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I told you. <laughs> Creepies. You know, I've, I've never, like I said, I've had a, a reservation there a couple times, but, and it's kind of, I don't know, I'm like the person who, when I'm planning, I'm like a different person when I'm planning a trip for the first time from like what it ends up being. Cause I'm always thinking to myself like, Oh, I'm going to try something new and I've never been there. And then reality sets in and I'm thinking, why am I going to spend money on something that I'm not excited about? That's something that I might not enjoy. So it, you know, I, the way that my trips look on the day that I arrive at Disney world is very different than the way my trips looked on the day that I book it. Everybody, uh, anybody done the uh, the fancy one in France? Monsieur Paul. Monsieur. Monsieur Paul. I have not. I When it was still Bistro de Paris, they used to have, during the Food and Wine Festival, they used to have different seminars and stuff. And I, and I did something there, which was really great. This is a meal. I mean, my issue is that I'm either dining with my kids or I'm like dining by myself a lot. And that is an experience that I don't want to pay for my kids to go to because it's too expensive. And I don't know that I want to go there by myself. I've also heard very, if, if I heard stellar reviews, I would do by myself, but if it's someplace that's just going to be okay for all that money, like I, I, I don't, I don't need to go there. I, it's something that I will want. I want it to be amazing but I have yet to hear somebody talk about it in a way that justifies for me paying the price. Hmm. It's not comparable to Victoria and Albert's. Definitely not. And when I, you know, like I said, I did Takumite twice and Takumite is not as, ex- as expensive as uh, Monsieur Paul, but I chose to do Takumite twice over doing Takumite once and Monsieur Paul once because the Takumite experience was just so stellar that I wanted to experience it again. And you know what? To go back to the lunch question, I would eat at Shikisai for lunch. I, you know, it was not, it's definitely not my favorite sushi ever, but the nigiri was good. And I think for the light mid midday, you know, I am not a person who is going to, for the most part, eat a huge meal in the middle of the day, because like, to your point, Phil, like I'll need to go back and take a nap immediately. So I like to go places where I can get some light things and I'm like very much a small plate orderer. I like to order, you know, a couple of small plates and then call it a meal. But for dinner, like there's no standout for me of, of where I would go. Like I, like I've, you know, like I said before, a couple of times, it really depends on the trip. I, I would say that Epcot is a restaurant, is a, is a park where really what I do there like varies every single time depending on the trip. I feel like if I had to wrap both episodes of theme park sit-down dining into one statement, it's that if the four of us could pick a theme park restaurant to go have dinner, we would pick a resort. Exactly oh, what I was going to say. That's a, that's a common down. theme. We have said it with every park that we've talked about. We would rather just take the five or 10 minutes and go to a resort and have much better quality food. Right. Because at animal kingdom, I, I think I said that my choice would be Tiffin's, but 
if given a choice between Tiffin's or Sanaa, Boma, or Jiko, I'm going over to Animal Kingdom Lodge. If I'm at Hollywood Studios and my choice is between Hollywood Brown Derby or going to a restaurant at the Swan or Dolphin, I'm going to the Swan or Dolphin. If I'm at Magic Kingdom, I mean, obviously, I'm going to Narcoosie's or Citrico's or even California Grill in this iteration of what it is. I would still go there. Over- Hell, I'd go over to Kona. Yeah, at any of those restaurants. And then if I'm at Epcot, same thing. I'll leave and go over to Swan or Dolphin. Swan, Dolphin, Trattoria, Flying Fish, Yachtsman. And you're on the monorail, so you can take a monorail over to any of those restaurants. So, I mean, there's really no reason to ever book a reservation at a theme park. I completely agree that we got to the end of this episode, and I think back on the first episode in this episode, and every time we mentioned a restaurant, and if you had to pick something, my mind immediately bounces over to a nearby restaurant at a resort that is the same price, far greater quality. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, and again, just to kind of reiterate what I said before, having just been at Disneyland and having some really good you know, having a really good experience at the Carthay Circle Lounge and having been there last year and having good experiences, that is a a situation where, you know, well, I don't know. I'm going to cut myself off right there because I do think that the quick service at, at Disneyland is so great, but it just shows to me that they can elevate their theme park dining. They can, and they choose not to. They have to at Disneyland. Because you can walk right. off the property and have a fantastic dinner at a half dozen restaurants that are a stone's throw from the gates. When you're at Walt Disney World, you can't do that. The resorts are solid. But other than that, where are you going to go if you flew in and took Mears or the Old Magical Express or a car service? Where are you going to go? They don't have to elevate the experience at Walt Disney World. There's no competition besides themselves. It's true. They have a really good Ponderosa about 10 miles away. Do they have the soft serve ice cream bar? They do. I remember that from my childhood. Fantastic. Good memories. So any final thoughts? Yeah, go to a resort to get dinner. I'd rather eat at (laughs) Narcoosie's. Yeah, I think for theme parks, quick service is the way to go. And if you want a quality sit-down table service meal, walk yourself or boat yourself or bus yourself over to a resort. Notice how Scott did not say, skyline yourself over. (laughs) I was going to, but I was afraid it might be raining, so the Skyliner would be shut down. So, So, notice that the Skyliner is is a form of transportation. It is not a ride. Still better than Small World. (laughs) If you were really confident in that, you would have run the poll. Oh, I already know that people would pick the Skyliner over Small World, and those aren't my people. I mean... (laughs) So how many people do you have? It's like you and three others. Well... (laughs) Small group. (laughs) Yep, it's a small group. (laughs) As Mackenzie would say, it's those creepy little dolls. Hey, I don't hate the Skyliner. I'll ride it. I just don't think it it is a ride. Well, what restaurant is that going to take you to? Topolino's? Sebastian's. I was just going to say, you like Sebastian's, don't you? I do. Yeah, Sebastian's is, uh, let's not talk about Sebastian's because I don't want too many people to know about that. It's a hidden gem. Well, and 
I know this is not a, a conversation about resort dining, but I have not been very kind to Topolino's. However, that being said, I would take Topolino's over any theme park restaurant just because it's an elevated experience. I to- agree. Topolino's or Tony's? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with the garlic bread. I would rather have Topolino's breakfast than dinner. They do have a good fruit plate. All right. Well, yeah, maybe Amy and I just to... totally vapor locked on that. Which one? The 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 fruit plate or the, the choice between? Plate. They really do have a great fruit plate. Do you sense his sarcasm? The $45 fruit plate. It's the best fruit plate on property. $45. Well, at least you can get something that was grown from the earth there, which is hard to find. So anyway, before we digress any farther into a topic that is not the main focus of this podcast, why don't... Phil, why don't you ask the the lovely people listening to support us? I was going to say, what am I asking them? You had quite the pause there. (laughs) Have you had the fruit plate at Topolino's? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we appreciate you listening, folks. If you enjoyed it or if you didn't enjoy it, I don't care. Go ahead over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a word of positivity. Five-star reviews that helps our nonsense reach even more people so you're not alone in suffering through this along with us. And thank you all, as always, for tuning in. Join us over on the Facebook group, DVC Clubhouse, to join the conversation. And until next time, we'll DVC real soon. Bye. Bye, guys. See you guys. And so our journey comes to an end. Oh, no, please, can't we go back to page one and do it all over again? We started this thing together, and that's how we'll finish it. Because that, my friends, is where the magic lives. Happily ever!